Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And then the heavy rain, swollen river, brook breaking, flowers splayed and bowing. Where were these waters an hour ago? Or years, in fact, when, in need of washing, I stood on the baked earth, skin parched, mouth parched, eyes blank with sun. Where were the waters then? Were they held in high invisible strata? Were they kept in bulging cathedral clouds? Watching for the moment, I broke down and sang to the dry rock, Bring me to the moon underwater. Together at last, apart at last, in many ways, it is I, John Robbins, one-time landlord of the moon underwater here for one last shift. No overtime, of course. And I have to say, it's been very emotional to wipe down this bar for the final time, to uh, make sure all of the spirits are high, and to change the barrels, and that's not to mention getting up upstairs into the sort of, what was it, a room full of a million feathers? Yeah, it rings a bell. <laughs> Deal with all the pistons. Mm. And down, well, we haven't gone down to the cellar yet. We'll be going behind the cellar door uh, very shortly for our patron subscribers for one last journey to the pub within the pub within the mind. And yes, a few tears have fallen into the ale over the course of this evening. Um, the brasses have been shone, and I took quite a lot of pride in making sure that the uh, the fox brass, the ox brass, the cox brass, all rang out in their splendour. And that particular light that the moon underwater creates was bursting from the cut glass to the long stems and to the high pints indeed 
And yes, and it was lovely because we had a little um, guard of honour, didn't we, walking in this evening, Robin? A little guard. A little guard of honour, yes, tiny chap. Yes. um, Just a solitary guard playing a bassoon, I think it was. Yeah, midi bassoon it was. A midi bassoon, yes. Yeah, it was lovely. It was far too big for him. Yeah. In in retrospect, it was a ludicrous scene. He he looked a bit like one of those nutcrackers that you, you got in the past that was kind of like dressed like a soldier. You put the nut in yes. his mouth. And With a sort of impossible moustache. Yes. Uh, um, great name for a pub. Yeah, I, it would have been very, very funny if he hadn't have been weeping so uncontrollably yeah. into his midi bassoon. Yeah, it's a striking image, isn't it? It is, it is. But yes, yeah, some of the townsfolk had uh, hung bunting, but we didn't want too much fuss, did we? No, 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 minim- minimum fuss. Um, so what's it like to be back in the old place for the final time? Well, first of all, how are you? <laughs> good, yeah, I'm good. I I've come to terms with it actually. Yeah, I was quite shocked by firstly the realm quake, mm. and you know, then I was completely besotted with the music of the spheres. Besoomed with the besot besoomed, besoomed, yeah. and um, but it did it did trouble me to see the moon underwater in such a fluster about what it should uh, what it should reveal itself as. So I think. The, the time has come, uh, and the moon underwater has made it clear that the next landlord, our replacements, will be sort of better suited to the some of the mists, at least. But, Robin, b- before I welcome you in, I have to welcome you out. Yes, please. Because, of course, I guess this evening, if we've got time before uh, the moon underwater plucks its next landlord and next regular from the uh, the other realm... And obviously they'll have to go through training, so we might have enough time, because they'll have to go through, what do they call it, like decompression or something? Oh, what, what like soldiers have to do? Yeah, with some sort of, uh, what's it, like familiarisation? What's the word I'm looking for? Mm, reacclimatization. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, mm. there's, a, there's a big sort of town centre. Realm acclimatisation. Acclimatisation, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they've, they've, they've got a a leisure centre in the town, and that gets converted for a week. Uh, so they go through all sort of different manoeuvres. Yeah, it looks like Thornbury Sports Centre. Yes, that's exa- it, it is, in fact, based on Thornbury Sports yeah. Centre. Uh, so, Robin, <laughs> you're going to have to pop yourself out now, dear. OK, right. And then um, knock twice like a barn owl, once like a screech owl, and then I'll, I'll know that's you. OK, right, here we go. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah. Robin, come in, dear. Sorry, that's twice like a screech, screech owl. Uh, yes, actually, get pop out, pop back okay. out again. Yeah. So, what was it? Two barns, one twice screech. Twice like a barn owl, once like a screech owl, please. Okay. I'm knocking is difficult. There you go. Yes, come in, Robin, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome uh, to the Moon Underwater this week's guest and the the final guest for a while before the moon underwater uh, sorts itself out it's the lovely robin allender of course hello robin hey hello john what's it like to be on the other side of the coins fence <laughs> it's quite strange actually it's uh yeah it's, I, I like it i'm in the i'm in the hot seat you're in the hot seat and no one has thought more about pubs along the way uh, than you i don't think i think you thought more about pubs than anyone i i know what me personally yeah or do you i mean do you think we have as well i think between us we've had every thought it's possible to have about a pub yeah 
I can't imagine any angle we haven't covered in our own minds no. or in each other's minds or in conversation with each other. And the moon underwater has many angles. Yeah, and sometimes infinite angles, of course. Mm, like a circle. Well, let's start with... I thought we could start with some key pub experiences. Like, what are some of your pub creation myths? <laughs> some of the defining pubs of your past? That's an interesting question. I mean, a lot of it is uh, very tied up with mystery mm. and strangeness and not really understanding what pubs were. Mm. You know, parents going to pubs and coming back smelling smoky and being giddy. So they seem like quite magical, transformative places. Discovering new pubs when I was a student and when I was younger is part of kind of discovering the cities where you live. And I think a big part of what I like about pubs is kind of finding the new one that's beyond the street you've never been to. Yes. <laughs> you know? The, the sort of the next pub. Yeah. So, you know, a big part... I know we go on about Oxford far too much, but um, when I was there, you know, I really liked the bookbinders. And part of the joy of going to the bookbinders was kind of pre smartphones you never quite remembered where it was mm. and it seemed to shift mm. it seemed to kind of always be on a slightly different street from the one you were expecting it to be so the bookbinders is in a little sort of square of oxford square of streets just next to uh port meadow and there's this big church at the bottom but it's a very strange looking church is it st barnabas yeah it's a beautiful church yeah so jericho is this quite odd little archipelago of houses <laughs> and it, it does what but why does it feel so mystical because like the streets are almost you almost can't tell the difference between them apart from the pubs so you sort of you navigate the streets by the pubs and the pubs by the streets well there is i think i i feel like places have power and it's not just us who feels like that i mean philip pullman you know there's a reason why jericho is such an important place in his books there is something about the place. I remember a really vivid memory of just discovering Oxford um, and discovering the city and um, walking down into Jericho through a road I didn't really know. And I looked back and I, I, I looked back and the, the view I knew I recognised because I thought, oh, well, there's the college. There's, you know, this pub, that building or whatever. But I was in a completely unfamiliar place. Mm. So it was really, really strange. It's like looking through a mirror darkly. <laughs> but in his Dark Materials, I mean, spoiler alert, they, there's sort of multiple universes. Yeah. Which... Um, Imagine getting annoyed about that spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's like parallel universes and that the sort of... The differences are quite uniquely strange because they are broadly similar mm. before you get into the very different ones. But what's interesting is in the first... Before you've got into any of the other realms, the two worlds in Lyra's Oxford are the world of academia, Jordan's College, and the world of the the kids who sort of play by the river and play in the sort of... Is it like the brick or clay, clay pits? But the separation in that world is between the sort of academics and the, and the like the sort of street the sort of street urchins and Jericho is that barrier between Port Meadow and the river and nature 
and the urban environment and the sort of environment of learning. So it does feel like you're sort of halfway between two worlds. But what I wanted to ask is, a, there's a pub before you get to the bookbinders called the Harcourt Arms, yeah, which is my favourite pub and became one of our favourite pubs. But I don't think you ever went there while you were at uni. So you must have sort of walked past it a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's quite a strange thought, isn't it? I, I, I think, it, I mean, you know, in des- describing my pub, it's definitely going to be a city pub because I love living in cities. And obviously London is such an interesting city to live in and such a great city for pubs. But finding pubs is kind of about finding, discovering the geography of the place. I think that that's really important to me. Because I'll, I'll say one thing that happened quite recently, which is that where I live, I'm really, really bad with directions as well. I'm the type of person who, when, when they come out of a hotel room, they walk the wrong way to the reception every single time. You know? yeah. My sense of direction is appalling. But in my mind, it feels like when I walk out of the house, if I go left, I'll go to Peckham. And if I go right... I kind of go to East Dulwich. That's kind of, that's not correct, but that's kind of how it feels. Right. And my girlfriend and I often go out to pubs in East Dulwich, uh, like Lordship Lane. So we often go to the Bishop and the East Dulwich Tavern and um, the Great Exhibition and places like that. And, you know, it's sort of, it's like habit kind of weakens everything. So we sort of, you know, you kind of get a bit bored of going to the same places. So we went out in Peckham and we had a really nice time. We went to some brilliant pubs. Went to the Mont- this was the only the other week. We went to the Montpellier, the uh, the White Horse, and we kept walking, kind of through these streets I didn't really know, <laughs> until we got to this pub called the Gowlet Arms in Peckham. It was a really fabulous pub. Never been there before. It seemed really nice. It was a Friday night. Everyone was really friendly. It was playing really good music. And um, we we kind of got out and checked the map. And we were five minutes from the East Dulwich Tavern. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? It was it felt quite magical. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, we've kind of looped round. And it was just such a weird feeling. And I think you only get that in cities and you get it a lot in London. That kind of strange feeling of you get to the end and you're kind of back to the beginning. Or the only way to get there is by walking around in circles or something. Well, you can't... That, uh, when you're sort of um, wandering in a city... The fact that we live in a country where there are so many pubs in cities means that, in a sense, you always know you'll eventually find a pub. Yeah. So, like, I can't think of a major city where you would walk for more than 10 minutes without finding or seeing no. a pub in the distance. Yeah, and, and and pubs have such unique identities, especially if they're full of, you know, regulars. They all have a character. So there's always that slightly eerie feeling you know that bit in the simpsons when there's there's the whole thing about shelbyville and shelbyville is like springfield it's different but the same yeah there's that kind of feeling when you go to a pub that's kind of close adjacent to one you know where it's like you're slightly in another world yeah i love that kind of feeling i don't know why um but your early we shared some early pubs didn't we yeah so would would your first drinking experiences have been in thornbury um Yes, the first pint I ever drank was in the Knot of Rope, Thornbury. I remember that vividly. What was it of? I, uh, I don't remember that. <laughs> I remember the feeling. Yeah. 
It was probably like Foster's or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I mean, it was quite strange to just be aware of sort of how transformative that feeling of being drunk for the first time was. Mm. You, you sort of became less self-conscious and it was, it was kind of a wonderful thing, but almost a quite a scary thing as well yeah. because of how much it changes you. It's, uh, you know, it's not called the Knot of Rope anymore. Oh, what's it called? No, I went back to Thornbury. Thornbury at the minute is an absolute shit show. Is it really? They've pedest- I mean, the, they've pedestrianised Thornbury High Street. But what that means is that all the shops are closing down because people can't park there anymore. It's right. like completely backfired. Yeah. They're digging it all up for a second time. It looks awful. It is, it is an absolute disgrace what they've done. Wow. Um, and uh, the the knot of rope, I can't remember what it's called now, but I said to my mum, it's quite sad because the knot of rope is the symbol of Thornbury mm. or one of them because I've got Thornbury farthings right. that were are quite rare and they were sort of, you would print, you would strike regional farthings and regional coinage um, before the before everything went through the Royal Mint. And there's a knot of rope on that coin mm. from... 400 years ago and even though you know people just called it the knot it was a pub where it was could be a bit rough and ready but that sort of that history of that symbol has now gone from from Thornbury entirely yeah I mean some guests have talked about this much more articulately than me but pubs are kind of living history aren't they Mm. you know and that you know that's such a good example of that I used to call it the not very good pub. <laughs> yes, you did, didn't you? Of course. Yeah. Um, but yes, what other pubs did we? I mean, then going to gigs at the Fleece. I think the Fleece was the first place I bought a pint. So the first place I was served. I was eighteen, of course. <laughs> um, and yes, what? What? I mean, it was kind of going to those gig venues. I think where you and I probably first sort of went out together. The Louisiana, the Fleece. The, maybe the Croft. I'm not sure. Yeah, we called the comedy called the comedy pub. pub then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of those early memories. I mean, do you mind me asking you about how? Because obviously you've gone through a lot of changes yourself recently, and you've you've talked about it kind of publicly. But I, I wonder how it's affected your relationship with pubs. Because you know, part of the reason we're pressing pause on the moon underwater is to do with this. Do you do you want? Do you mind talking about it? Or no, not at all. I don't go to pubs that much anymore, um, but I don't really have, A, I don't have anyone to go with, and I would go for a drink or two, like a non-alcoholic drink or two, but there really isn't much more reason than that, unless there's a gathering of people. But I think it's like an age thing. So so many people I know are are sort of changing their drinking habits, but mainly it's because they've got kids or, mm. you know, they've got work commitments, so, which is really sad. But I, I mean, I can't remember the last time a big group of people I knew went to a pub. Mm. But I sort of have to cut off that fantasy nose to improve my face. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, But yeah, I mean, so much of, so I, I, I want to, you know, I want to say our, fascination with pub what pubs was that kind of mystery or that you're always searching for the dream pub that kind of fantasy element so has that that kind of that's kind of had to change a bit i suppose yeah because actually the search isn't the the search is a a a cipher really for searching to change how you feel with alcohol Mm. Mm. 
So you're 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 displacing one need for a an idea of sort of possibility of uncertainty and excitement and stuff. But really, I mean, pubs are just places where I could change the way I felt through both alcohol and the excitement of being in a pub, like a new pub, was would would give me like a an adrenaline rush and a dopamine hit. And then you put the alcohol on top of that and you're actually changing your feelings. So mm. they're just sort of, they're impossibly perfect in that sense. But then both of those things stop working. Mm. So the alcohol doesn't change how you feel and the pub never really becomes that ideal escape because there's always something wrong with it. Yeah. I mean, that I think one of the Amy Liptrop quotes from The Outrun that we mentioned very early on was that idea that the problem with alcohol is that it doesn't quite work. Well, it's not the pro- not the problem with it. She said the reason it's so addictive is it doesn't quite work. Right. So I guess there is in that a problem in that you're using alcohol to change your your emotions and yet you always wake up the next day and you have mm. to go again because otherwise you'd only need to drink alcohol once and it would just sort of... You'd stay three pint drunk forever. Yeah. But how how's it affected? I mean, you still like pubs. I mean, but it's yeah. just it's completely changed, I guess, the way you, you view them. I, it doesn't change the way I view them. It's just I've got no cause to go to them, really, unless it's purely social. Whereas I would go to a pub on my own sort of most nights for maybe one or two. And then I would come back home and, and drink here. Um, but Robin, we must be creating your dream pub, right. I say. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> so those are some key pub experiences. Key pub cities, of course, we've covered. Bristol, London, Oxford, Edinburgh. Because mm. you had a couple of years living in Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. And sort of which of all those city pubs would you would you base your dream pub on? I mean, Edinburgh's pretty special. I mean, it's such a beautiful city to walk around and it does have that magical feeling that you know I described earlier where you kind of realize you come back round to yourself and things like that you know but probably London probably a London pub I think for me I mean the King's Head that pub we go to in Marlebone yeah that's got a, a really weird allure where it, it it feels very old-fashioned feels like it shouldn't quite be there yeah describe uh, it it's carpeted yeah. It's got what what Jimmy McIntosh described as the skags on tap, mm-hmm. which is the Strongbow, Cronenberg, Amstel, Guinness. Is there another one? Stella. Stella, yeah. yeah. Um, despite its location, it has a very, very nice local feel. Mm. And it has a very wide range of people who go there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a combination of all those factors I like in some ways that... I like a range of people there. I think that's really important. Yeah. And it's it's a horseshoe bar. Yeah. And in just the perfect way with like sort of just seats and tables all all around. Yeah. So you can and and like bonquettes sort of little booth corners. So you it's it's actually quite small but you never feel you're crammed in on top of other people. No. And people are, even though it's got that thing where it's a small pub but I'm sure it's not like this all the time, but it does feel like when I've been there, people are very respectful of each other's space, even yeah. though it is a small pub. So, I, I mean, I'd, I'd probably have more variety on tap 
Yeah. But I do like the fact that it's kind of, it's still a very old-fashioned pub and it somehow survived as well. Mm. Well, you say you'd like more variety, but, I mean, you you love Stella. I do, yeah. Yeah, but I don't like drinking Stella all the time. And it, I, I know it's a bit basic, really. But. You quite like drinking Stella all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but you've always been a lagerman. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I look back at the things I drank at university, and I just, I can't, I mean, I just used to drink Orange Wicked and Smirnoff Ice. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and if I did drink beer, it would be Tetley's, which yes. was 1.35 oh, in God. the college bar. Um, I don't know where the lager thing came from, really. I just, I do remember the Wellington in Bristol started serving Budvar on tap. And it was, I just, I just think when there's a really, really nice Pilsner or lager on like that, I think it, it, it's just very, very. It's it's very nice. I do remember a time when you you basically decided you were you were sick of how inconsistent ales were kept, and you were like, you just it's so hard to to keep a bad lager. But then I have seen you take an awful lot of pints of lager back to the bar. Oh dear! Well, that's often because of gas. It's because they're flat. It's always been because they're flat. Yeah, it's usually because of either gas or because it's a you know a bad glass, like mm. a, a dirty glass. I'm not, you don't make me sound like a right tit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you entirely justified that. But but yeah, I mean, if you get a lager and it's completely flat, not a single bubble going up, I think you're well within your rights to take it back. Yeah, I mean, I think just because of what you'd said about ale, I assumed then that lager was always fine. But you're absolutely right. Some a lot of those pints. Well, all of the ones you've taken back have been like no head at all. Mm. It's quite unpleasant to look at a pint with yeah, no head at all. It is. And same with ale. I've just got to be in the right mood for ale, and it's got to be a really nice pub that I really trust. Like the, the Annex in Bristol, they they really look after their beers. Mm. So you know, you just know you're going to have a really good quality pint there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Well, speaking of really good quality pints, uh, let's have your first two draft choices. Well, they're both in different ways unreal. Oh, <laughs> God, we're not we're not doing um, Tommy Tiernan again, are we? <laughs> well, okay. So the first one doesn't exist anymore, right? But not ever. No, it has existed. Um, and the second one definitely does exist, but I've never had it on draft. Oh, wow. So when we were at uni, um, there was a an excellent brewery called Morel's, which doesn't exist anymore, sadly. I, I don't know if the guy has still moved on to do something else. Maybe he has. His name was Thomas Hardy. Quite a good name. Is it really? Yeah. Um, and they used to... The, the, the beers you always saw on in Oxford pubs was Oxford Blue and Trinity. Mm. And they were very nice, like, best bitters, I think. I think the... And Trinity was more of a kind of summery golden one, as I remember. And they did a short run of this one called Grumpy Cow. Yeah. Right, which was meant to be more like a kind of northern-style creamier ale. And it was was really golden. And I had it once in the bookbinders. And thought, this is one of the nicest pints I've ever had. Really? And it's just the memory of that, really. So, But the thing is, this this is what the whole pub's about. It's, it's, It's unreal is the most important word here. Yeah. Because it's the memory of it. It's not the actual drink. I found a review of it from 2002. <laughs> Hit me. Uh, it's, I think it was on a, a website called Rate My Beer, maybe. Okay. Um, Rate Beer, I think it's called. An American uh, American uh, contributor said uh, gave it 3, 3.3 out of 5 on June the 6th, 2002. <laughs> Oh, lovely. And he um, he said, you know, light colour and consistency, not a bad bit of flavour, but a bit weak. Um, some sweetness. For one moment, it reminded me of taffy. Oh. And he it said, it's on tap at the bookbinder's arms, Jericho Oxford. I just love the idea that, like, maybe I was in the, same, in the pub at the same time as him or something, you know. But it's just about, it's the past, really. That's what I'm having on draft. A, a pint of the past. Well, there's the, an, an article from the Oxford Mail, 30th of November 2000. Yeah. Pub company Morels of Oxford has launched a new beer with a tongue-in-cheek title. Jesus. Yeah, the title has kind of aged it a bit, hasn't it? Uh, no, well, I think they, it was in reference to actual cows. Yeah, I know, but yeah, sure. Um, so, a pint of Grumpy Cow. Do you even remember how strong it was? Um... Is that not on the thing? I, th- I want to say it was like around, you know, 4%-ish, something like yeah. that. But it was kind of, it was like, yeah, your classic northern kind of creamy beer. But it was very, very golden in colour. That's how I remember it. And I just remember it tasting just fantastic. I wonder what it would taste like if you had that very same pint in your hand now. Well, you know, we've changed. You don't step in the same river twice, do you? Do you reckon it would be impossibly beautiful or kind of, I mean, it would be off? <laughs> what the exact same one? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? I just that, left it there, like that bit in uh, to the lighthouse where the, t- the time. There's a great chapter where just years pass in this house, and there's just a pint of grumpy cow in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, how like people discover like tins of food from the twenties in the sort of in the wall behind their kitchen. If, if just the people who owned the house that you died in were like uh, renovating it and just found a pint of poured pint <laughs> in the wall, <laughs> yeah, pint of the past. But it, I mean, but it was it's all tied up with the independence. I think you know I went to the 
pub on my own. Mm. It was all that kind of stuff, you know. That discovery. Yeah. Discovering yourself. What would be your second choice? Well, okay, so it's a German Helles Lager called Flotzinger. So um, I got sent a few beers last year sometime, I think. And uh, there were two bottles of this Flotzinger Hell Lager. So Helles is like a classic Bavarian lager, where it's very, very light kind of golden colour, as opposed to Pilsner, which is kind of a rich gold colour. And it's not as hoppy as Pilsner. And, um, you know, Augustina, which you see bottles of a lot of, is a classic, you know, Bavarian Helles. And I just thought this was... It just has that kind of crisp, uh, clear quality. It was like a mountain stream. You know, like a 5.2% mountain stream. <laughs> so did when you were sent it, did you just put it in the fridge and forget about it and try it one day? Or did you did you know it was going to be good? I, yeah, I put it in the fridge and tried it and was just like, oh, this is superb. And the next day I had the, the second one. And then it was like, I, I think I should never drink that again. Really? Yeah. So I'm, I think it obviously in... Germany, you can get it on draft. I've never seen it on draft in the UK. You can buy the bottles in the UK, but I just always want to leave the moment perfect, really. So if you if you walked into your dream pub and it had Flotzinger Hellas Lager on draft, would you not drink it? No, I definitely would. I'd just give them my credit card and just say, you know, hi. Um, <laughs> I'll be here for a few give hours. Give them your credit. So you'd give you your credit card. Oh, wait, am I working behind the bar? say hi. Oh, right, sorry, I missed that part. So I'm working behind the bar and walking into the bar. Yeah, I guess guess so. Well, it's your dream pub. I mean, unless you've sort of employed someone to work there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what, I would definitely try it. But I I just like like the idea of that, that kind of thing where it was so good, just kind of leave the moment in the past almost. Yeah, big time, big time. (laughs) It's like when I had that pint of what I believe to be Priory Pale at, what was that pub that disappeared, the one behind King's Cross? The Coronation? Yes, I think it was. A fantastic pub. Amazing pub. Um, And I think it was a victim of lockdown. I had a pint there that sort of remains in my head, the best pint of ale I've ever had. So I ordered 24 cans, but I couldn't, I wasn't sure which, whether it was the, I knew it was, Gloucester, Gloucester Brewery. Mm. I knew it was either Gloucester Gold or the Priory Pale. So I emailed them and said, I had one of your beers. The pump clip was green. And they said, oh, that would have been Priory Pale. So I got 24 cans of Priory Pale, 24 cans of Oxford Gold. The first can of the Oxford Gold I had was the best canned beer I'd ever had. Mm. So I assumed it must have been that one. But then I had the Priory Pale which paled in comparison to the Priory Pale I'd had on draft. Yeah. So it all got quite confused in my mind. But I think it's the moment. You can't order 24 cans of a moment in the past. It's all about moments and chasing moments, really, isn't it? Wow, this is a beautiful pub. Stunning, crackling fire, a bit of music on. Wonderful. Welcome, 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 welcome to the pub of mystical desire. What can I get you? I'll have a pint, please. A pint? Sure, coming right up. Here we go, pouring it now. Ah, wonderful. Just going to take a sip. Oh, no, you can't drink it. You can't drink it. Why not? That'd be the fulfilment of desire. 
You can't fulfil desire, otherwise it stops being desire. Not sure I understand. As soon as you get something you want, you don't want it anymore. It's the nature of desire. Tell you what, if you want to go to a pub where ineffable desire is fulfilled in a substantial and satisfying way, you want to go to the moon underwater. Oh, OK. Cheers. Bye. Well, let's move on to your bottles and cans. Uh, what are you going to go for? Because I'm guessing the move of the Flotsinger to the draft has helped free up another choice somehow. Um. Yeah, OK. Bottles would be a Sauvignon Blanc that smells of lilt. Oh, really? Is that the key note? Yeah, just... It's like, you know, that Alan Partridge bit where he's tasting wine and he goes, this wine tastes like chew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Papa! Yeah. <laughs> I just got very basic tastes. I just... I, I, I do like a Sauvignon Blanc, and I do really like the minerally, mineral ones, the ones that have that nice minerality, but I also do really like the kind of passion fruit pineapple ones. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's a very basic choice, but those Marlborough Sauvignon Blancs, it's good stuff, man. Yeah, and also it's quite a good... I think someone said who chose one. It's just quite a good way of selecting a wine you know you'll like. Yeah. If you just go for the old Marlborough. I used to like the peach, sort of ones that taste of peach, because they are slightly sweet. And I would often like, when I'd go into a wine shop and sort of in my endless search for the perfect medium dry medium dry wine, which all wine shops say, well, we don't have any medium dry wines, we've just got dry wines. Well, like, I think it's fair to say that some Sauvignon Blancs do taste quite sweet. Yeah, definitely. They have a sweetness to them. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, and, and it's important as well, they obviously don't taste like drinking lilt. But no. it, when, you get, when you just first open them and you get that lovely fruity aroma that's just it's very nice isn't it it is that smell of slightly when a passion fruit is slightly tart yeah yeah it's definitely that smell i mean m&s clock tower that's a, re- a recent one that was very very nice so i'd, I'd have that okay m&s clock tower i like yeah. it yeah it's very nice that's achievable mm. uh next up please well it's got to be 440 mil cans of stella really yes it has talk us through the 440 mil debate into Stella. That was, that was a good, good title you suggested for this episode earlier. Yeah. It's like Interstellar, but Into, into Stella. Stella. Into Stella. Yeah. Um, 440 Mills is just a perfect kind of pre, pre-lash beer, after-pub beer, going around to a mate's house beer. I mean, you know, Stella, you know, my friend Jack thinks Stella just tastes, I can't remember what he said it tasted like. Something not very nice. Um, he said it just tasted metallic or something. But, I mean, you know, it's a decent pilsner. I mean, it's... But it's it's, it's down to the Anthony Bourdain quote that we've said about, you know, a hundred times in The Moon Underwater, where sometimes you just want a cold beer. Mm. And just Stella Artois just fits that purpose for me. And I think 440 just means it, you keep the coldness <laughs> yeah. for longer, basically. But also, like... Coca-Cola is the most popular soft drink on earth for a reason. Mm. I tasted a... I, I usually have Diet Coke, but I tasted a real full-fat Coke for the first yeah, time in years. It your head off now, doesn't it's it? absolutely disgusting. Yeah. But it's the most popular drink on earth. There's a really good Jeff Dyer quote where he says, drinking a Coca-Cola is like having your being punched in the face slowly. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know... You know, it's easy to be dismissive of things that are popular, but 
people drink them. People don't drink stuff that tastes horrible. No, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, if I was, I don't know, if I was having my wedding and I was ordering the booze for all the tables, I wouldn't just put a four-pack of Stella on the table. You know, I know... No, you have 12. Yeah, 12, obviously. <laughs> I know there's a time and a place for it, but I just, I do just like it. And also, but you, you're anti the 500 mil cans. They just look too big. I think they're they something aesthetic- too quickly. Yeah, and don't get me started on the pint ones. Yeah. I just think aesthetically, a 440ml can looks really nice. Yeah. I'm so weird. Sorry. Do they do 330ml cans of Stella? No, they don't. Not as far as I know. They do of Estrella, don't they? And Heineken. Yeah. And Moretti. Mm. The only lager I would ever really drink would be Pilsner Urquhal. Yeah, I find that a bit too... Uh, kind of almost bitter, I find. Right. I think, yeah. I mean, it, is, it is a nice one, but yeah. So far in Robin Allender's Dream Pub, which is a pub that transforms us and helps us to discover the city, we have Grumpy Cow, Morell's Brewery, Oxford, uh, which doesn't exist anymore, but did exist. Flotzinger Hellas Lager, 5.2%. Um, a mountain stream, but a 5.2% mountain stream. Uh, M&S Clock Tower, Sauvignon Blanc, and 440 mil cans of Stella. We need, now need to have a quiz, Robin. And I believe that, for old time's sake, you've brought in a Moon Underwater Pub quiz. Okay, everybody. Pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. Played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger. That wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. I have indeed, and it is a quiz about the moon underwater. I'm going to ask you questions about some of the selections we've had over the last couple of years. So Guinness has been by far the most popular item chosen at the Moon Underwater. I think over 20 people have chosen Guinness. Wow. But what I'm going to ask you about is items that have only been chosen once. Ah. Okay, see if you can can work out who who chose these. Okay, so question one. Who is the only person to have selected Budweiser, not Budvar, on draft in the Moon Underwater? <laughs> That's question one. Who selected Budweiser? Uh, question two. Who selected... An unnamed beer from an unnamed barman from an unnamed bar in Bruges for one of their draft items. And whose bottle choices were one bottle of red and one bottle of white, and they refused to give you any more detail. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know that one. I mean, I do actually have two big notebooks with all of the choices of everyone who's ever been on handwritten. The, the, The actual scrolls. The scrolls. But, but I'm not going to access the scrolls for the quiz. Mm, sure. Uh, so, folks, we're going to take a break now from the lovely Robin Allender's dream pub. As Robin said, our work here at the Moon Underwater is very nearly done. However, the realm will bring a replacement. So don't you worry. You won't be Moon Underwaterless for too long. Uh, I would imagine the new landlord will want to make a few changes. They're going to put their own fingerprint on the place, and that's fine. Yeah. As long as they keep the fox brasses to hang your coats, I don't mind. As long as they don't put loads of flags everywhere. Yeah, don't put loads of flags everywhere. Don't paint it a kind of putty grey. 
Yeah. Don't start selling natural wine. No, because small plates. the pub will have its revenge. Yeah. Do you remember that time we tried to paint it? Yeah, it was awful. Absolute mess. Mm. Anyway, we will be back in part two. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.